Dan, I hear you're uh, moving into a new apartment. That is correct. I am moving to, um, I guess you could call it downtown Brooklyn, um, which is a kind of a misleading sounding name, if you ask me. When I when I hear the term downtown, I think like you know it's like it's it's well into you know the heart of Brooklyn. But Brooklyn is so goddamn big, and there's so many neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, which one gets to be called downtown? I mean, I think in my brain, downtown is like smack dab in the middle of it. Right. But, but in reality, if you were to look at a map, they say downtown Brooklyn is basically the, the tippity northwest. top. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. The upper edge of Brooklyn, like near, nearest to Manhattan. Right. And, uh, so that is the, the area that we were talking about. The, the place is, uh, is literally right across the street from the the brooklyn bridge right and so i i'm calling it like between brooklyn heights and dumbo yeah you're you're sort of yeah you're in this it's it's yeah it's not quite in dumbo and it's not quite in brooklyn heights and it's not quite downtown yeah it's it's, in that weird sort of dead zone between all three of those it's like this weird sort of like venn diagram of those neighborhoods yeah that's a good way of putting it it's like directly across the street from like the courthouse and steps away from borough hall Sure. So there's a police station right across the street. Which is safe. Safe. Very safe. Unless you don't like the police. Uh, and then it's just uncomfortable, but probably also still safe. <laughs> um, so you are moving all your stuff, obviously. And, and you and I have talked about our different theories of moving. I enjoy packing everything in boxes and then paying a bunch of men to lift them up and bring them to my new place. Mm. Mm-hmm. You like moving piecemeal, packing your bathroom, bringing it over, unpacking your bathroom. Yep. Uh, over the course of many days, even weeks. Sure. It doesn't have to be many of them. I mean, it takes a couple. You could, I, I mean, yeah. you could theoretically do it over the course of a weekend if you timed it right. Right, right. Okay. Um, so are, is this place smaller or larger than your current place? I would say it's, it's, it's well, it's definitely smaller. Um, okay. I, so what are you going to do about all the stuff you've got? Well, the the current plan <clears throat> is to. Um, I'm, I feel like this is this is an opportunity for me. Um, I mean, obviously, it, you know, anytime you change something, it's an opportunity. But this is a particularly big opportunity for me. And uh, my plan is to minimize my overall apartment footprint uh, by a considerable factor, more so than I've done in a long time. Um, <clears throat> I, I did recently move. Uh, just about a year ago, uh, but within the same building, which is sort of where that, that piecemeal moving thing caught on, uh, caught on, um, where, cause it was just a simple matter of moving all of my stuff from the first floor to the third floor. And I had yeah, a little bit different than moving across town. It's no? true. No, a little bit indeed. Um, probably way more stairs, <laughs> uh, yeah. for one thing, but, um, but yeah, I also had a, you know, the luxury of about a month of overlap there. Actually, I think it was just in 15 days technically. Um, but, uh, but I also had the luxury of being, you know, not fully full, not, not being employed full time. So I could dedicate like literally all day, every day for about, you know, a week straight to just concentrate on going up and down. So I got it taken care of this time is going to be different because I am working full time now. And, um, that's going to require some, some balance and some, some trickery. But uh, the plan is uh, is going to be um, 
it's, it revolves around the fact that I'm going to be going from what we could call a multi-room configuration to a single room configuration because my new apartment is a studio. Um, right. And it's a traditional New York st- style studio where it's literally you walk in the door and you can see a little kind of a walk-in closet hallway sort of thing, which then leads you to the bathroom. And then there's a and then and then t- you take a step to the left and then there's, you know, what, what most people would consider, you know, a living room or, you know, a dining room, you know, some sort of a large, you know, the largest room in the in the apartment. And then you walk a couple steps to the window and to your right is the kitchen. And that's it. There's no other rooms. There's no bedroom. There's no, you know, uh, walk-in closets. There's no nothing. I mean, that's it's just one giant room. Right. Now, I I personally like studio apartments. Yeah. Well, you live in a studio apartment, right? That's what you got. I do. It's a pretty big studio apartment, though. It is. What's, do you know what your um, square footage is? Um, I don't know exactly, but I would say that it's got to be... I would guess, just having like hung out there once or twice, um, that it's probably in the 600 change. Six probably yeah maybe 700 yeah it's 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 pretty big yeah you know it's it's nice um, plus you have that like walk-in closet right you have a nice large bathroom right. and a couple I, I like i like spaces that i can create the rooms yeah you know um plus this allows me to move everything out of the way and shoot here if i want to which is which is a big thing for me no of course i think you have a really um, great space for that but I mean, do you have enough storage in this place for your stuff? Or are you going to have to get rid of some stuff? No, that's that's a that's a good question. And uh, the short answer is uh, no. There is no way in hell that all of the stuff that I currently have in this apartment is going to fit into the new apartment, unless, of course, I was, you know, kind of silly and stacked everything on top of everything else, and you know, it became a giant like walk-in closet (laughs) um if you want to do some sort of virtual tetris thing yeah uh just have heather come over and she'll put it together (laughs) well i have a pretty good uh knack for that myself i've actually i went uh so far as to do a one to twelve uh scale plot for myself in illustrator and measured all of my major pieces of furniture and have been experimenting with Turning them and twisting them and arranging them, and I have a pretty good idea of uh, how it's all going to lay out. And, okay. And um, because I'm going to be adding them in, kind of one at a time, I, I you know it should be relatively easy for me to to you know to to arrange them as I go. You know, it's not like I'll have that's see that's what I really like about the the piecemeal approach is that when you move all of your stuff all at once, you're suddenly surrounded by all of your stuff and you're constantly kind of like making a hole to 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 put stuff whereas when when using the 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 approach that i'm taking you know you have this you're starting from nothing and then you're literally you just put one thing in there and then then whatever you put it that's kind of where it is or maybe it'll move around but you know you have all of this room you know it's the opposite of a hole it's like you you've just taken up one little spot now and then you you keep adding things um, so it's an additive process as opposed to a sort of subtractive process, I guess you could say. Sure. No, of course. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of prefer that. It's, I, I also think it's different. Like most of the stuff that I have is stuff that I use, you know, it's, it's my stereo and my computer and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So when I move and I have everything and they drop it all off in these big boxes, it's like step one, let's set up the stereo. So we have music to listen to as we're setting everything else up, you know? Sure. So it's there's not a lot of like I would imagine that people who move and have a lot of knickknacks and that kind of stuff, mm. 
It's got to be a nightmare. Yeah, no, of course. Because, like, you know, they got to find a new place for all this crap, you know? Yeah, I can't even um, imagine. It, my mother lives in a, in a big house up in Connecticut. It's probably like 5,000 square feet. And, uh, you know, she's thinking of moving and she had it on the market, blah, whatever. And uh, my father, when I was younger, when I was in, I guess I was like 15, high school, uh, my father, actually, 87 is when we started, so I was in seventh grade. My father started buying baseball cards, um, cases of baseball cards, so like sealed cases of sets of baseball cards or or what are called uh, wax packs and rack packs. Do you know any of this stuff? Uh, not really. I mean, a friend of mine, when I was a kid, was kind of into it, and I remember him buying like whole, I guess, whole seasons, um, like a year's worth. Like, I know that there's multiple um, card manufacturers. Obviously, there's tops. There are. There's Topps, uh, Donruss, and Fleer. Yeah, those all sound familiar. And they know they, they used to come with crappy gum. Yeah, um, exactly. The Topps ones came with gum. And 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 there are people who uh, buy individual cards. And then there are those who buy cases. It's sort of like buying a case of wine that you don't open. So and when you say, now, is a case like, is, it's it's like sort of like looks like a, a long business card box style like if you had to guess i've had to guess uh, the okay. dimensions that, that, right no i got it's you. like that was 16 that, 16 by three right. by five or so no that that would be a set ah, okay of cards so like all the cards from a particular year from a particular manufacturer in order yeah. would be a set okay um it, cases might be 15 or 20 sets in a case Whoa. so it's a big corrugated cardboard box that weighs 40 pounds yikes yeah they're 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 unwieldy uh-huh so my father would buy all this different stuff. Now you've got three different manufacturers. You know, you got Donner's Tops and Fleer, and then there's actually other minor manufacturers. Sure. Then there are you know sets, and then there are wax packs. You know, like you would go buy at the corner store for fifty cents back in the day. Mm. You know, the ones with the gum. Mm-hmm. And then there are rack packs, which are essentially three wax packs in this cellophane thing that are all connected like a big strip. Mm-hmm. So. You know, you have these three different so three different companies, three different kinds of items, and then you have all the years. So there's like this three dimensional matrixy of all the different options. You know, you could have 1989 Donruss wax packs, which are different than 1989 Donruss sets, which are different. You know, you understand? Yeah, no, it's it's like so, it sounds like it's a lot. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So my father bought a lot of stuff from '87 to say '92. Uh huh. And and they have been sitting there. All these years, and they went up and they hit a peak probably uh, about 10 years ago. They were worth probably five times what we paid for them. Neat. Yeah. Now they're worth maybe twice what we paid for them. Huh. Um, because the whole market kind of settled down, especially with the recession and whatnot. Mm. Um, but uh, it's okay because my father had sold some of them as we were going along. And so everything that's left there is sort of gravy. Right. You, know, it's, you broke it's, even. Yeah. So whatever's left is all good. Yeah. Um, Doesn't owe you anything. Yes, exactly. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's not a big deal. Cool. Right? So, yeah. So but so Heather and I, my mother for five years since my father died, has been saying, can you please go through the baseball cards and find out what we have there? So we can say, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So they're theoretically my baseball cards, but I have no connection to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I also, on top of all these sets, which I'll get back to in a minute, I have my own personal cards, which are, you know, all kinds of, you know, individual cards and sets that my father bought me. For example, in 1975, Topps made a set of cards 
just like their big set, except they were all smaller. And so for one year, they made this mini baseball card set. And so I have a full set of 1975 Topps Mini, right? Which is worth, say, $400. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, I have some halfway decent stuff, you know. So, anyway, so getting back to the cases. So Heather and I had to figure out what these cases are. And what, what amazes me is that it'll say Leaf on the side of it, which is the people who make Donruss cards. Mm-hmm. And it might even say Donruss and then Leaf logo down in the corner. But nowhere does it say, this is, you know, 1989 wax packs or whatever it is. It just it has like serial numbers on the side. Like you think you're going around printing this box. <laughs> you think you'd say what's in it. You know? Yeah. So there's so much stuff that we had to actually just do sort of Google searches. I don't know what you would have done 10 years ago. I, I mean, they must have had like a binder or something like that or like, yeah. or like a book. What, what we should have done is kept track of it as we bought them, but, you know, we didn't and it's too late now. Yeah. So Heather and I go through and we figure out what all these things are. And we end up with this list of, say, I think we had like 40 or 50 cases and there are maybe 30 different types, you know, um, nightmare. Wow. But the, but the problem is, even if you're going to sell these things and you're going to go online, you say you put them on eBay one by one, shipping the thing is going to cost more than their cost. You know, yeah. ship a 50 pound case to Seattle, it's going to cost you a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, totally. Um, so you, what you almost have to do is find either local people or find some guy in the tri-state area who's a dealer who will come and say, I'll take it all for five grand. Right. Or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's the next step, but, but it got me thinking about, you know, people buy these cards and, and I guess they're looking at them as an investment, but then there are other people who just buy the cards and they love them, you know, and it kind of reminded me of you, you have some toys, don't you like sealed toys and stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, about, I guess about 10, it must've been 10 or 12 years ago. Now I lived in Chicago and I was pals with a buddy, a friend of mine from school, who he worked at FAO Schwartz, the big toy store. And right. this was way before they went out of business. And he got hooked into the whole action figure collecting racket. Right. Um, and me personally, um, I, I guess what happened was, I guess, yeah, about maybe about 12 or 13 years ago, I sort of came to the realization that it was okay for me to buy toys again um i know that sounds weird but i guess when i was you know once i got to college or once i moved out you know you you come to this you get to this point where you're you're an adult and you you, you're like i'm not playing with toys you know fuck fuck that i got i got drums to buy i got instruments to you know i got art to make i got stuff to do um and then i guess at some point i just sort of needed a break maybe it's i can't remember put a, a defining moment on it but i don't know which just i you know maybe maybe it had to do with the fact that i was i was um working in the cubicle world uh i did work for a video game company where you know the nerdery the nerd factor was relatively welcome with open arms um so it wasn't unusual for for guys to have an action figure 10 you know sitting around their cubicle or whatever um now were they doing it from a collector's point of view from a it was a combination. Uh, a, a nostalgia thing? It was a combination. Yeah, yeah. So you had guys who were like fans, right? So there, there right. were people who were just really into this particular character or or series or or whatever. 
Then you had guys who were hardcore collectors who wanted the whole set, mint in box, you know, untouched, you know, long-term investment, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you had the guys in the middle, and I was I was kind of one in the middle. So so my little foray into toy collecting lasted maybe three years, and it, it had, it had two different things that I collected. Uh, I can't remember which came first because I think they were pretty simultaneous. They, they I think they kind of overlapped. I, th- I think it was the chicken. The what? The chicken came first. Uh, perhaps. Um, so, so we'll start off with the ones that I that I feel better about, <laughs> which is Lego. Um, from a, from a very early age, Lego has always been uh, a very you know uh, solid, strong connection for me. Um, and I still, to this day, you know, enjoy Lego, despite the fact that they have kind of gone overboard with all the licensing and the characters and the whatnot. But uh, in spirit, I think Lego as a company, Lego as a product, um, it's been it's been pretty pretty kick-ass, you know, for the past thirty some odd years since since sure. I've been paying attention anyway. And what really took me took me away, what really blew me away, was I guess it must have been in nineteen. 19- 98 when the fuck did the phantom menace come out when when uh, it was 99 2000 was Tom, it really do you know what the phantom menace came out i want to say it was 98 98 or 99 conrad says 99 uh, I'll, but go I'll ahead be, i'll buy that so prior to the release of the phantom menace the folks at lego struck up a deal with the folks at lucas and right. they licensed all that shit and Man, I, that was like a fucking slam dunk, like a, a grand slam, if you will, to make a little baseball analogy there for you. Um, because it was two things that I really loved, Star Wars and Lego, you know, in the same box. Boom. Right. And uh, I just went overboard, man. I, I decided um, to buy, because I love that stuff so much, I actually decided to buy uh, all of the sets as they came out. Because they, they were smart, and they still do this to this day. They don't release them all you know, all at, all at once. They, they, they'll do like, they basically, like, like one, one series will consist of like five little sets, maybe four medium sets, three big sets and one really big set, you know? So like the right. entire, it's like 15 sets total and they kind of scale up. Um, so, and you can, you know, that's, I guess you, you figure one whole set would cost you about 500 bucks, you know, for the entire series. Um, so, uh, so I bought, I, I just started to buy them all in duplicate with the intention of keeping one set in the boxes for later and then one set to play with and put together. Um, and that's what I did, you know, for about two years, uh, I just kept buying them all up and some of the stuff, some of the really big ones, they released this really terrific, just amazing, really, really cool series called the ultimate collector's series or the UCS series, which are these unbelievable, like much larger scale, really detailed, um, models. There was an X-wing, uh, and then a, and a TIE fighter, um, and then there was that was always my problem with Lego uh, stuff that was licensed like that, where it was kind of like, well, this really isn't anything like the actual things because it's all blocky because it's Lego. But man, these if you Google it, man, look it up. Lego Ultimate Collector Series. This stuff, they don't they don't fucking pull any stops here, man. This this is like they're fucking huge. I mean, when these things are put together, the X-Wing, I, it was probably like three feet by two and a half feet. I mean, it was gigantic, and it worked. Right. You know, it had really cool mechanics so that the, the wings would spread. And, and uh, anyway, and, they, you know, they were, they were not cheap. I want to say they were at least 100 bucks each. Um, so I didn't buy two of those. 
But, you know, anyway, long story short is I probably amassed about 50 or 60 kits um, in duplicate for, for a while. And, and after a while, I just, I just, I, then they, then, you know, after the first movie came out and then they started releasing the classic ones. So I just couldn't keep up. I didn't have the money yeah, these, and I didn't have the these time. These are actually pretty cool. I, I will give, I will it, give it to them about the ad at. Oh, they made an ad at <laughs> now? I haven't seen the ad. I, I stopped paying attention, but I'm, the, the only other one that I would really consider is the, the Millennium Falcon. But that thing is like fucking $500 and it's huge. <laughs> um, it goes on they sale every once in a while. They make a Death Star one too. Not the Ultimate Collector Series though. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, the UCS Falcon is insane. No, no, no. There's an Ultimate Collector Series Death Star. Oh, is there? Then that's new. Yeah. I don't know. But the Falcon is the sort of crown jewel, if you ask me. That thing is like the fucking... They really... They don't sell that anymore. Oh, you can still find it. Okay. Um, they, they only made like 2,000 of them or something like that. It's, it was a limited edition, and I, and I want to say it was like $500. And you'll see it on eBay or on Amazon every once in a while as a special. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. So I I... I got all crazy with my Lego collecting and sorted, you know, boxed and sorted um, the, the, you know, the, the, the opened kits. Um, but I still had, you know, four or five really big cardboard boxes um, with all these new inbox unopened sets, just with the, you know, intentions of holding on to them for later. Uh, and, the, you know, and it got to the point where I just... I sort of put them in uh, into storage in Chicago. I had a storage unit because I, I kept I did I did move from a house like a small four room house, a coach house is what they called it back then, um, to a, a two bedroom apartment, and I just didn't have enough room for everything in the house anymore. So I I, I bought a or I rented a ten by ten storage unit and kept most of my toys there. Uh, the other toy collection that I got into were. Uh, Todd McFarlane action figures, uh, also okay. known as Spawn, S-P-A-W-N, uh, action figures. Todd McFarlane is a, I believe he's a Canadian, uh, comic book artist who, uh, his, his, I guess his major claim to fame is, is the, is the, the comic book Spawn, which I was never really into. Uh, what, what took me with the, the, the story with the Spawn thing was, um, my friend Jordan, who worked at FAO Schwartz and was collecting these things, I remember going over to his house one day and taking taking a look at his his uh, counter when he just got he just you know he, he was he was the kind of collector who liked to buy the toys and take them out and set them up and put them on display because he thought sure. they were really cool. Um, so I remember just checking it out and I was like, "Holy shit, dude! These things are really like really well put together. I mean, like the deep the level of detail really is is tremendous." I'm like, how much are these things? And he's like, they're like seven bucks, five, six bucks. I'm like, you're kidding me. I would have easily yeah. expected these things to be like 15, 20 bucks a piece. So that sort of just piqued my interest. And then, and this is right around when they, when Spawn first sort of got started, like in the, in the late nineties. And, um, as they gained popularity, uh, McFarlane got smart and started to license all kinds of different, um, properties and characters and stuff like that. And so, and nowadays, if you go to Spawn.com and you look at the action figures, um, I mean, the, the actual Spawn comic characters are, like, in the minority. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, we have those, too. But now he's got, sure. like, movies and, and musicians and, and, and uh, you know, ga- video games, uh, sports. He's got a whole sports line with all these different athletes and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, and they're all, like, you know, between 7 and 10 bucks. I mean, they're, they're still reasonably priced. Um, so for a little while, I just went apeshit and bought, you know, whole sets of those things. And for those, a set was like basically six action figures. Um, and I found, you know, 
places online that would, you know, cater to guys like me and, you know, basically just send you the actual original, you know, box that that McFarland sends the toy store, you know, so that I didn't have to go scrambling around at like Toys R Us or KB Toys or wherever, you know, to go find that one that I was missing. Um, gotcha. And I did that for about a year or so. I probably spent about... I don't know, twelve hundred dollars or so. I have a, I, right now. So, so yeah, I collected those and the, I, I I kept them in their boxes on their cards um, and then hung them up on the wall, just inside this giant grid, this gigantic uh, array of figures. I, I did open up the first, like when I first got started, I opened up a couple of them just because I thought they were really cool. But once I yeah. once I got into it, I'm like, fuck it, I'm not opening these. I'm just gonna leave them. Um, and I just kept them in the box. So now, has the value of these things maintained? Yeah, that's a good question. Some of them have really matured like some of them are really rare and um are worth something but most of them uh are not <laughs> most of them are it's like it's like beanie babies i guess yeah I, I, the market the market goes up and then you know yeah i guess falls away yeah so 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 i'm in this boat now where i have 13 uh, a second it's just to sort of finish the story so last year when i made this move uh right around this time of the year actually right at the end of the year uh, I, I made the decision that it was time to part with my toys. So uh, I set up a little photo, you know, tabletop photo studio thing with some lights and a white seamless and spent over two weeks taking well, well over 500 pictures. Um, you know, I, I probably set up maybe 180 auctions, maybe somewhere between mm-hmm. 180 and 200. Within three months, I became a, an eBay power seller just because I kept, I just did it all at, at the, you know, at the same time. Sure. And, um, the Lego, the Star Wars Lego worked out really well. I, and I basically made a little over double double my money back, which was pretty cool. Um, but the Spawn action figures, I didn't want to deal with individually selling them because I have about 100 of them. And that's, that's a lot. Um, so I did take the time to photograph them all individually just because I wanted I – I, I lost – man, this sucks. I had I, – but when I when I like right before I moved from Chicago to New York and I put all these things in their boxes, I had this yeah. old iBook, um, uh, you know, first gen iBook special edition, the gray one, um, and I had a I, I used that I had a copy of Excel on there and I made this really big detailed Excel spreadsheet with like the barcodes and like notes and descriptions. I spent like a week on this, um, yeah. and I just left it on there, you know, no worries. <laughs> and um, like t- maybe maybe a month before I actually moved. My my house got burglarized and I and the laptop got stolen and I didn't have a backup of the fucking document and it, and by Ugh. that time everything was all packed and I'm like I'm not fucking doing this again um, yeah. so I just you know I, I, ever since then I like I didn't know exactly what I had I mean I knew I remembered like certain things certain series and certain things that I I you know had fondness for but there there was a bunch of stuff I'm like oh yeah I got the whole Beatles set or I got the whole Sleepy sure. Hollow set or whatever. Um, so yeah, some of these figures are actually quite valuable, but most of them, I would say that the ratio is not, not that great. So when you sold all your stuff, did you make your money back? Um, I, like I did and I doubled it back with the Lego, but here's the, okay. here's the thing, man. I didn't want to split up my, I didn't want to deal with the individual spawn figure, um, sale. So I still have that shit, man. I still have 13 boxes in my house. With with about a hundred spawn figures in them, <laughs> and no, is there anything about selling those as a whole set? Uh, what do you mean? Is there anything about that? I mean, should you? Is that are you keeping them for sentimental reasons? No, or I want, I'm ready want to them? get rid of them, and I'm even ready to take a loss. I mean, I I will probably, if I'm lucky, I might get half of what I paid for it. I might get five hundred bucks ish. 
Um, right. But I got to get someone out here to f- pick them up, you know. So I, I, I yeah. put I've been posting them on Craigslist sporadically throughout the year, and, and you know you get these random retards who reply and don't you know they'll ask you oh, i'll give you a hundred dollars for it i'm like what are you talking about dude you yeah, know yeah, or or yeah. somebody or obviously these i love the the my favorite of the the scammers and the spammers who have like they don't even you know write english sentences it's pretty funny yeah yeah but, but um but yeah only one or two actual like legitimate sounding serious intra- inquiries uh one of them was from this guy who just opened a toy store in staten island and was looking for stock and i'm like perfect come on out and get him but he's so goddamn busy with his store that he hasn't had the time to come out and get them. Oh, that's a pain. Uh, like, how much did he offer you? Like five hundred bucks. You know, I'm like, fine, oh. it's fine. Let's just get rid of it. I mean, at this point, it's just taking up room. You know. And I think that's. I guess that's the question about all this kind of. I mean, you and I obviously spend a lot of money on camera gear and whatnot. Yeah. But that actually does something. Well, you it, it's a it's a revenue generator, dude. You can take a two thousand. Okay, you can give me a five thousand yeah. dollar camera. And with some luck and some timing, I can generate $5,000 worth of income from that camera. True. But I mean, but even like my stereo, I spent probably five or eight or $10,000 on my stereo. And I don't regret that because I get so much enjoyment. I, I'm listening to music all the time. It's an active thing. Yeah. Well, you, you feel yeah. like you get what you pay for. I, I guess the thing with the baseball cards and the toys and whatnot is that they're there. And do you look at them? I mean, my mother collects Yadros. Do you know what those are? No. They're like these weird ceramic things. I don't know who the hell makes them. I guess, well, this company, Yadro. Uh-huh. Um, and she's got a bunch of them, and they sit there, and they're pretty and whatever it is. I just, I guess, I don't know. I feel like the things that I own should be active in some way. Mm. You know? Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Like, I mean, I could see, like, if you owned a lot of Legos, if you actually built stuff with Lego all the time. Right. Well, so you know. there is this weird little fantasy of mine that someday... I will live in an, an apartment or a house that's large enough for me to take my Lego out again and set it up. Because I have what when I when I in like I said when I built this collection, I actually had a room that was dedicated to my toys and stuff, and I was right. able to have I had uh, you know those uh, those acro bins that you can get from like container store or whatever. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, it's a little color. They come in different colors and sizes, and you can get a, a wall plate and rails to mount them on the wall. Um, you know, I, I probably dropped about you know 150 bucks on more than that on those bins, and everything is all relatively well sorted and and organized, and it's ready to be taken out of. You know, they're in. You know, the little bins are in four, three or four giant tubs, which you know for just for transportability. But uh, sure, you know, in theory, they're ready to be taken out and put into a a room for actual building and stuff like that. So I do have this sort of, you know, this wish, this desire at some point in time. To, to sit down and, and, and play with that stuff again. But, you know, I figure that's... I'm, I've liked it for this long, so it's reasonable to assume that I'll, I'll like it again. You know, I'll still like it in however many years it's going to take me for get, to get back to that spot, you know? I guess the question is, for a lot of people, do they buy these things as a fantasy that never gets realized? You know? Someday I'll get around to... You know, the other day, uh, we, Heather and I were walking down the street, and we walked by Lionel, you know, the train company. Sure built a has like a what i think is a temporary store but it might be permanent uh at like 40th and 6th neat yeah it's probably a holiday thing you know trying to get sure you know people become nostalgic oh my dad had a set of those i'll buy one for my kid you know i'm I'm guessing that's that's what the angle is funny story as an aside um this this weekend uh miss pepper and i did a little road trip to pennsylvania to check out the famous Frank Lloyd Wright 
uh, Falling Water house. Oh, how was it? Uh, it was it was pretty cool. I, it's a long drive. It was a long drive. Um, but the point of my little aside here is that uh, we stopped at a rest stop, and uh, in you know I went to the bathroom, and sitting there on the uh, toilet paper dispenser were some of those. Um, you know, those are like like those tourist travel brochures. Someone actually pulled a couple of them off and took them sure. into the bathroom for reading and left them behind. And sure enough, right on top was uh, was a brochure for the Choo Choo Barn. <laughs> and I actually went to the Choo Choo Barn, man. I remembered that shit from like, I don't yeah. know, when I was in eighth grade or whatever. And it was pretty cool. And apparently yeah. these dudes, this, this family, so, you know, obviously I'm sitting on the toilet, so I, I read about it for a minute or two. And it's they still they still made it, man. I mean, they still they still... I can't remember the name of the family, but they they they're still doing. They actually relocated to an even larger facility, and you know, it's just a big train set it's, built it's in a, a barn. Huge fucking train set, yeah, man. It's got like over twenty r- different railroads, uh, like tons of scale models, um, like yeah. and all like they've they've taken their town and aspects of their neighborhoods and county or whatever, and like you know, did like little tributes to them. Sure, um, it's uh, it, you know, it's it's, it's kind of it's it's what I want to figure out is. Is it the collecting them? Is it the building the track, or is it the actual Run, running like the, the running train around it? Yeah, I don't know. I th- I, I I'm never really and it, and what it kind of reminds me of. Do you remember those little the little cars that we used to have kids our age? You know where the little pin goes in the track, the slot cars. Yeah, slot cars, sure, like yeah. Tyco. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, where t- for me it was much more fun setting it up than it was actually holding the thing and running them around. Yeah, I guess I never really got into them either. I never owned one. I had friends who had them. I was into Hot Wheels and Matchbox sure. cars. I had a I had a crisscross crash setup. Um, I remember the ads for yeah, those. Yeah, man, crisscross crash was fucking fun. Uh, it was this giant white plastic thing with these blue like little levers that you use to just sort of whip the car around uh and then you know two, it was like basically like a figure eight track and you and your buddy would sit there whipping your cars at each other and eventually they would hit each other <laughs> right 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 uh and then there was another one where uh there was a loop-de-loop uh yep. and there were glow-in-the-dark ones and there was one with a giant jump yeah uh, i love that shit man those are tons of fun you know so we walked by this train place and i'm looking in and i'm just thinking to myself do people still buy these things or is this like like is is Lionel the kind of company that was huge in the 50s and the 40s or whatever and then had this huge decline and now is trying to come back up or maybe they got bought out by some other company or you know what I'm saying it's I like do. I yeah I don't know dude um that's a really good question I I also when you say that here's the thing that I I've, I've noticed just in passing there's something really I think special about trains trains sure. seem to have this interesting draw um, there's a whole, like, and, and I think it might be, uh, uh, not a rural thing, you know, whatever the opposite of urban is, you know, uh, I, I think it's way more popular. I think it's definitely really popular in Europe. Um, especially like in, in areas that are, you know, pr- pr- primarily f- prairie and farmland, you know, where there isn't a sure. whole lot to do. People get, you know, fascinated by that stuff. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the term train spotting. Um, sure. But I think there's a there's a lot more humans, you know, a lot more people on the in the world who are way into that shit than we might think. Yeah, it's like in that uh, movie, The uh, Station Agent. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you should see it. It's a uh, you know the guy who played the author and elf. You know the little is a dwarf 
guy. I forget his name. He's a really good actor. Oh, uh, I do know what you mean. Yeah, he's. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, he kind of okay. looks like Billy Zane. Yeah, but he's little. But not. He's a small but not guy. bald yeah. and. And, and yeah. a midget. He's actually been in a bunch of different stuff. You ever see? Yeah, no, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's a really good actor. Yeah. Anyway, this movie's all about him. And in the beginning, it's him and his friends because they own a train, like little model train store. And then upstairs at night, like all the train nerds come over and watch footage of trains going by that each of them shot. Mm. You know, like that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fascinating because it's sort of like this weird thing inside of. Uh, a whole other world, you know. Yeah, you should ch- you should check it out if it's on Netflix or something. No, it's a very good movie. Anyway, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah, um, but you know, so I mean, we all buy these things. You know, my father and and I bought baseball cards. You bought these toys. People buy the trains, and it's like I'm just trying to figure out why people do it, what they get out of it. You know, and do they get out of it what they expect to get out of it? That's a good question. You know, I, I was reading an article because it seems like a a, a bit of a uh, impulse kind of buy thing. You know, no, I think you oh, saw or, your friends doing, and you said, "I'm going to start collecting Lego Star Wars." You know? Well, no, that's not true. I I I'm, I was the only one of my friends who did the Star Wars Lego thing. The Star Wars <laughs> Lego thing still resonates with me. I mean, I I truly do have a, a very deep affection for both of those those things. And I, like I said, I think I always will. Um, but the the action figure thing was different. That was more of like a phase. Um, but what I was going to say before is, is I just, I think I want to say, I, I read this little thing that, uh, I think Kent Rock, Ken Rockwell wrote recently and he was, he was, you know, every once in a while he'll, he'll, he'll write something that's rather reasonably accurate and, you know, insightful. And, sure. and, and this time around he was talking about how, I think he was ragging on Hasselblad for releasing this Ferrari edition of their H4 camera, which is basically you know, a camera where they took all of the plastics and made them shiny red. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it looks yeah. L- Leica does the same thing. It looks hideous. Put out, yeah. yeah. So, and, sure. and that's what he got into. He's like, so, so who, who the fuck, what the hell, you know? And then he got into this whole thing about how Leica has, 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 you know, Hasselblad is doing what Leica has been doing for the past 30 years. And his, his little story was that back in the day, serious photographers, uh, you know, bought, Leicas and Hasselblads because they were expensive and they were, you know, they were literally, they, they were the finest that money could buy. Right. Um, but other companies... Some would argue that they still are. Right. And, um, but but the, the reason why they're not as common is because they were too expensive and because companies like Minolta, or back in the 70s anyway, and, sure. you know, obviously Nikon and Canon uh, realized that there was a, a totally open market for making, you know, reasonably good quality but reasonably affordable uh, cameras that that could do ninety five percent of what those guys could do in a in a much cheaper, more sure, more appealing. for one tenth the price exactly. And 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 look what happened. Here we are, thirty years later, and and that's kind of what happened. So so what's happened now is is Leica has now gone into the whole special edition, you know, scene where they're yep. they're making like the the, the M nine, which on its own, if you want to buy an M nine right now, that's like seven thousand dollars just for the yeah. just for the body. Yep. I think it's eight grand, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then there's their special gold edition and the titanium sure. edition. The titanium yeah. one is like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, these are these are not for people who are using them as cameras. They're for collectors who are collecting. But them. dig this, dude. He so he he, he digged up some he, he pulled up some stat that said that so the the, the titanium model that sold for thirty k that they only made uh, hundred and fifty of or whatever sold right. out in like a day, 
And and Leica walks away with what millions of dollars in their fucking pocket. You know that basically yep. pays for the rest of the business. You know those are for super rich guys who have nothing to do with their money. Yeah, and 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 there's it, you got to say, know, it's man, pro- yeah. it's, it, it bothers me in Japan. Leica collecting is you know a huge big thing, and they keep them in these lucite boxes, uh-huh. and you don't take them out. They're like, it's sort of like, you know, people who buy toys and never take them out of their box, except they buy like all these classic, they buy a Leica M3, you know, low serial number, whatever. And they put it in this Lucite box and they keep it in a safe. Yeah. And it's kind of like, dude, that is a tool meant to be used. It's like buying a really expensive ruler and sticking it in a box. You know, it's like, yeah, no, it's it's so funny, man. This is a precision instrument. It's it's hilarious. So, so, one of the it's like buying a micrometer yeah. and sticking it in a box that's what that's yeah, like it's like are you buying like a really a really nice set of tools and not ever touching and them? i'll tell you and, and it's a big thing like in japan especially like buying leicas and collecting them yeah. is this weird thing and they don't touch them they're just collecting them and i have to tell you as somebody who actually uses cameras i find it a little offensive it's like you're now eating up all these things that people could be using to make pictures, ah, you know? Yeah, but just to have them in a box, that, whatever, dude. I mean, you could, there's a lot of people who do the exact same thing in lots of different industries and a lot of different true walks of life. But what I was going to say is, um, uh, since, since getting my, my day job, um, one of the things I'm responsible for is, is the cameras and lenses that the company owns. And as I might've mentioned, we own, uh, you know, a little bit of a few pieces of Hasselblad equipment. And every once in a while, uh, I need to send a lens or a body in for service or repair. And what's, uh, what's happened now is I've, I, you know, it's, I've, I've had to deal with the folks at Hasselblad um, frequently enough now where I've actually kind of gotten palsy with um, a couple of the repair guys. Um, especially when, you know, cause what, what, what happened is I would send, send something in and then one of these guys would call me to sort of give me a quote and give me the rundown. Oh, well this thing needs, you know, needs new this and new that. And in order to do this, blah, 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 you, you know, just to authorize the, uh, you know, the repair. Sure. Um, and so we'll get into these, you know, more than once I've gotten into these chats with these guys. And a couple months ago, I was talking to one of these guys and he was telling me about how there's this, I think he said it was a dentist or something like that. This, this one particular co- uh, collector who had one of these really rare limited edition, you know, 500 series, the, you know, the gold plated Hasselblad yeah. one with the, you know, it's like basically like instead of any, you know, it's black, uh, but instead of silver, it's got actual 24 karat gold. And he was telling me about, you know, how this guy, you know, sends it in for service routinely like clockwork every year, like same time. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing it for like 15 years. And after, and I guess this, this repair technician guy who's, you know, he's been working there for a while. Um, and he's like, man, after the first five or six times, um, you know, we, we, he would always call us back about, you know, two weeks after we'd, we'd send, you know, we'd, we'd do the work and he, and he would complain. Um, he would send us Polaroids or or photographs saying that, you you know, you guys stripped the screw or you didn't, you know, you got a fingerprint over here or whatever. And and it's, and it's like, but we, you know, we know that you, this thing has never seen a roll of film, (laughs) you know, like, what are you, what are you doing with it? And so it's like, it got to the point now where we don't even open it anymore. You know, we just basically, we just take it it back. Yeah. We just, we just tell them it gets, you know, it has a clean bill of health and, and we leave it alone and the guy doesn't you know doesn't care and it's just it's funny because you would think that the best thing to do with something like that is not touch it at all like not even like i mean even from the guy who's collecting it you know if he's not shooting with it yeah then why does it need to be touched at all yeah i have no idea dude you know it boggles my mind Uh, you know it's 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 interesting yeah 
this it's the, the whole collectibles thing is fascinating yep a whole world that i really just don't just goes right over my head for like 90 percent of stuff i mean even cameras i have six or seven cameras but most of it's just like oh it's my old camera and i don't really want to sell it because it's my old 5d well, what about this or, though you know. here we go here's something that you can relate to maybe uh what about art collecting art yep books uh, I have a fair amount of books, although I try to get rid of them if I don't really want to keep them. Um, I keep stuff that I know I'm going to go look, want to read again, uh-huh. that kind of thing. But, um, but you, you, music, I, I, you know, I have probably a thousand CDs. That's a lot of CDs. Um, yeah, but my father owned record stores, so I have a little bit of a cheat there. But um, still, it's a lot. Yeah. No, true. But I, but that is like a thing that I'm actively. I don't know. It does something. You know, uh-huh. a book does something. A toy on a shelf doesn't do anything. How do you know? That's what I don't understand. No, well, it doesn't, well, what does it do? doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, but I mean, okay, what do you do? Sit there and look at it? What, like, what, what is it about it that, that What do you, you do with a book? That, <laughs> Come on, dude. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, but you're reading it like it's, it's, you know, it's got more than just the front of it. What if it's pictures? Yeah. What if it's a painting? What do you do? Sit there and look at it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm serious. It just seems weird. Well, I guess what's weird about it is that toys like that they're they're mass produced. It's not like they're like one offs. Dude, or what about fuck? Rare. What about prints? Come on, you do this yourself. How many Drabbles prints did you make? Yeah, no, very few. <laughs> but you still made more than one, right? No, sure. I just I don't know. I guess it's just I just don't. I don't know. It's just something about it makes me feel like it's marketers tricking people into thinking something is has value well you have to understand I, I let me tell you some more about the the spawn thing for for example one of the reasons why they they're not so damn not as valuable as as i'd like is because uh the target audience for that particular product is yeah. a collector <laughs> and so right the you know the very great majority of people who you know who purchased those action figures at the same time i did have kept are, them perfect exactly in are, the, are, are the target demographic so the only people who who would be interested in buying these are new collectors um so and i don't think i think we're in between generations right now so it's not it's not in fashion right now or guys yeah. who are trying to beef up their existing collection you know guys who are buying and selling and you know need like you know trading trading fodder you know um yeah. so you know it, it, you know it's kind of it kind of it's like this weird super niche you know, where it's just like the you know you 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 all did it at the same time. So now it's that kind of takes away the specialness. But here's the thing: all of these things are super limited. Like once once McFarlane made this you know this series, he made however many figures, and that was it. Like um, you can't get them again. I mean, the only way now you know, you know there are you know the reason why some of the the more popular ones are so popular is because you know they're back in vogue again, back in fashion again. But they're you know they all were limited run. You know, none of them were were made for any any period of time longer than any of the other ones. So they're just as limited as sure as anything else. That's very odd, but it's fascinating. Yeah, I guess so. But, but I, I, I'll, I'm going to stand by the, uh, the similarity between, you know, art and, uh, and skull. I mean, look at them as little sculptures. If you need to, if you want to call it, you got to pull a label on it. I mean, that's what yeah, they I are. So. I mean, here's the thing, dude. Uh, what, what another really interesting thing about the the action figures that I've always gotten a kick out of is uh, if you, if you again if you go to spawn.com, uh, I don't know if they do this anymore, but in the old days, that you know when you'd browse their online catalog, they 
actually had a little collector's club. Maybe you had to log in for this. I can't remember. Anyway, I just remember checking out this whole section uh, of coming soon, right? So in the coming soon right. section, they would show you stuff that they're working on that might be 12 months out or whatever. But they'd also have work in progress sculptures. And so all of these action figures, every single one of them, is made, is essentially sculpted by hand out of clay or some other sure. sort of material by some artist, um, you know, at, at, at like four times the size that the actual action course, figure yeah. is going to be. Like, like coins get done. Is that how, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then they get just, they get, you know, me- mechanically, Reduced down. mechanically scaled yeah. down to yep. small size. But you got to give those guys some props, man. I mean, that's some of the level of detail and no, the craftsmanship is, is really, really impressive. You know, yep. and, and, and so imagine this. I'm like, imagine, you know, you've got your favorite character from your favorite comic book or whatever, and then there's this really kick ass sculpture of him in, 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 you know, your favorite costume of his or reminding you of that really cool story. I mean, you could say the same thing about why, why someone plays a certain um, kind of guitar or, you know, a certain kind of uses a certain kind of uh, distortion pedal or whatever. It's like, oh, well, this, this reminds me of this or, you know, I, I got it because, it, because I really like this, this, one, this one sound. Sure, but then they're playing it. Yeah, but I don't know. There's just some. There's something about. I don't know. I mean, I feel the same way about the baseball cards that I have. It's like, okay, I have these baseball cards, and what do I do with them? Well, I guess it, what it all boils down to is how does it make you feel? Yeah, and for some people, seeing something makes them feel good. For some other people, doing something makes them feel good you know i mean there's sure. there's all kinds of iterations of 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 how 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 a thing can make you feel uh some, so. sometimes you're you're physically using that thing like this is my dad's old table saw and every time i use it i don't care what i'm building it just feels more special you know right. uh this is my dad's old camera or you know this is my first camera sure. or this is you know this was a gift this is my graduation or this present. is my father's stamp collection yeah, and therefore whatever. means something to yeah, me yeah there's the sentimental thing right then sure. there's the whole um you know maybe maybe it's like a like a um something significant where it's like you know this is this was the first it was this was the bike that i ran rode my first 100 miles on you know it's not the great greatest sure. bike in the world but I, I i achieved a certain goal with this particular thing and me using it like like a lucky like a lucky charm like sure. like a good like luck my charm. 5d that i shot 365 portraits with sure whatever i mean whatever you want i mean yeah. it's, sure. there's nothing special about that thing to nope. to the world um but you know it makes you feel a certain way and 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 it's kind of neat i mean i guess that's that's another that's one of the reasons why art exists if you ask me is is to uh instill feelings you know to bring up feelings in people to get a reaction of some sort positive negative whatever yeah. you know yeah i don't know <sighs> it's good <laughs> all right well you know if anybody has any ideas about this Send us a comment or an email. Yeah. If anybody wants to buy some spawn action figures, let me, <laughs> we know, where to let find me you. know. I need to get rid of these goddamn things. I have uh, photographs online available for browsing. <laughs> <laughs>